just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters from all over the planet to the Robin Cali show on talkradio.nyc. It is a beautiful night here in New York City, and we have a lot of exciting things going on. I'm here with my dear friend and co-host and almost birthday boy, Robbie Kay. Good evening, my dear. What's up, y'all? What's up, Miss Albert? Good to see you. This is quite exciting. Tonight's our first Facebook live yeah. stream. This is the first time we're on camera, so hello, hey, world. Everybody. This this is how we actually look in person, almost. This is also so, the welcome first... Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off so early in the show yeah um this is also what well, we should say our two-year anniversary it is we recorded our very first podcast on my birthday yeah, two did. years ago and so this week is our two-year anniversary happy anniversary happy Callie. anniversary my dear and yeah. happy early birthday thank you this is also the first time in two years we've ever sat next to each other Rather than across from each other. That's right. Because we're both spatially sensitive, number one. That's right. And because we like to look directly at each other. Right. And now in the name of graduating to Facebook Live and pimping ourselves out to a bigger audience, we need to sit closer together. That's right. And, you know, we're all about stepping outside our comfort zone, (laughs) making changes. It's our two-year anniversary. Let's do something new. Let's get on camera. We'll sit next to each other. We'll wave hello to the world. So, Is this getting out of your comfort zone and sitting next to me? No. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah. Not that we haven't in, yeah. in other in other capacities before. Actually, we never ever have. This is the very first time we're sitting next <laughs> to each other. You look so different. <laughs> You're gonna have to turn in your profile, head more. So I know. I, like what's going on over there? Oh my goodness. Um, but it is fun. Yes. Yeah, so we welcome our new Facebook Live watchers, viewers, right. and as always, our audience. Um, here on talkradio.nyc, who we appreciate very much. Yeah, and we just want to say thank you again to everyone who's listened over the two years. If you're listening tonight for the first time, <laughs> this show started because Callie and I used to do these Sunday morning therapy talks where we'd catch up with our week and mm-hmm. how was your week? How was your week? And we were like, this would be a great show. We should do a radio show about this. So years later, we sat down with her computer and a cheap mic in a cheap office and we recorded our first podcast two years ago on my birthday may 19th and here we are two years later and we're going big time you know what i'm saying look at us now so yeah it's really it's exciting and i think it's a nice auspicious day to just sort of graduate to new things also this was not a conscious thing and we will introduce our guests momentarily but our topic tonight is relevant to the idea of birthdays that's true right that's true it's all about age (laughs) right yeah we're talking about age tonight and our relationship with age both personally and professionally and that's just sort of happened so uh yeah it's just kind of nice how it all fits together yeah. Um, I also wanted to share something that happened yesterday. It was a very uh, exciting day for me yesterday. Mm-hmm. I already said yesterday, didn't I? Uh, my was best, it yesterday that this happened? <laughs> my bestest girl, my, my dear girlfriend from um, Denver is in town. She's here on business. And in the name, um, she works for a really beautiful organization called Peace Jam, actually, that's um, working on initiatives all over the globe with Nobel Peace Prize laureates to um, to create change and uh, and promote peace around the world. Right. And so in an effort for us to spend as much time together as possible, and also for me to try to help and, and contribute my services because she was doing a, um, like a video pilot um, yesterday, I met my first Nobel Peace Prize winner. 
Oh, good which for you. Which is really, really cool. And I thought your aura seemed different. Does it? I, really? I can you tell? Figure out your vibe was totally really? like charged and different. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so funny. You got to hang out with smart people more often. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe there is something to, to be said <laughs> Callie, you seem so much smarter today. Thank what was you. it? Oh, you were hanging out with a Nobel well, laureate. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a very, very moving experience because this woman has a spectacular story and uh it was um, for all the hundreds, maybe thousands of people I've interviewed in my lifetime through yeah. my professional life mm-hmm. and, and even personally, because I'm just such a question asker. Mm-hmm. You know, I have never um, I've never met anybody in that category. So that was quite an honor. Really special. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So the week's off to a good start. Very cool. And you, my dear. Yeah, I was hanging out with one of the doormen in my building <laughs> talking about sports. It was a different nice. conversation yeah. than you may have having. You know, maybe you were talking about politics or global warming or something. I was just talking about uh, the Yankees and the Mets. Equal gravity. There you go. Equal gravity. There you go. So, should we introduce our guest? I think we should. Waiting th- on yeah, the let's phone introduce them. All right. So, oh my, do I have to put my glasses on so that I can read my little intro that I wrote here? Ages. Um, so, <laughs> right. I need my glasses <laughs> so that I can read about it. Um, so, I'm I'm excited because um, I'd like to welcome Stephen Powers to the show tonight. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Hello, Callie. Hello, Rob. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much. It's so nice to have you. Um, in Stephen's early career, he was a, it still is, but um, began as a record producer and um, is a Grammy-winning producer um, who later became instrumental in overseeing international media for the amazing Agape Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. If you haven't had the opportunity to experience it, I highly encourage it. Um, and that's um, overseen by Michael Beckwith, who a lot of you, I'm sure, know. Currently, Stephen is the force behind the relaunch of one of my favorite medical bookstores, I, I consider this place an institution because I used to hang out there um, in Los Angeles when I lived there through the 90s, although it um, it was born, the, the Bodhi Tree bookstore was born, I think, in the early 70s and is now making a resurgence online and also as a... Um, um, brick and mortar um, location in Los Angeles, which we'll talk about. And Stephen is currently the CEO of the Bodhi Tree. So, welcome, Stephen, to the show. Thank you. You guys have already made me laugh. Congratulations <laughs> on your anniversary, wow. on your birthday. I didn't know if I was talking over you when I was laughing, but that was funny about the doorman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, means you're an easy audience if you're already laughing. So I thanks. know. I you like you already. You're hired. Exactly. Yeah. You're hired. Um, so tonight what we're going to be talking about is, and, and you brought this up to me actually when we were having, because we've had the pleasure of knowing each other a little over the years, and we were talking about different topics, and what organically came from our conversation was the idea of age, right, our relationship to age, um, both professionally and personally, and I thought that's a topic that we have not covered on the show, and it's something that obviously everybody deals with mm-hmm. um, one way or another, Um so I guess my first question to you, Stephen, is when did you first even become conscious of the, the idea of age? Like, did you grow up knowing, caring? Well, I think it was uh, when you booked me to talk about age on your show, I suddenly realized, is this about my age? Should I be mm. offended? No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to be funny like you guys. Um, you are funny. Uh, I have I'm an smart. answer to that question, and, and, and it actually began at a very, very early age for me uh, because uh, through circumstances in my life, uh, in this case a tragic circumstance, I was only 18 years old when my 15-year-old sister was killed by a drunk driver, mm. and so I 
I became conscious that age uh, it may not be something, you know, you can have a young age, a median age, an old age, but, but however many years we have on this planet is something that we really don't know. So I think I became very aware of age, you know, at that moment. Uh, that uh, and, I, and in my in my youth, and I started my first business at 19 years of age, and then another one at 20 years of age. I had a strong sense that there was that I had to do everything right away. Mm-hmm. You know, this great sense of urgency because maybe there wouldn't be time, maybe I wouldn't be around. I'm sure that that Charlotte's passing had something to do with that. But I, but when I was younger, I, I just didn't feel a sense of patience. I had to do everything right here, right now, quickly. And uh, as I grew a little older, I gained some uh, some greater awareness. And, and I think it was my brother Peter who who taught me an affirmation, which is that I have all the time that I need. Mm-hmm. And it's been one that has really served me uh, through the years because that's been that sense of impatience has been a part of me uh, my whole life. Uh, but yeah, I became aware of age at a, at a young age, and then you know have had a number of which we'll talk about reasons. Uh, to to have more age awareness as I as I aged. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny because when we talk about age, I think about when I was a kid and when I was five years old, I felt like I was 40. So when I turned 40, (laughs) I felt like I finally grew into myself. Mm. I was like, oh, I finally caught up with myself, you know? So it's, you know, I guess age is a state of mind. But so, Stephen, tell us about your early work life, how the Bodhi tree got started, all that. Tell us about that. Well, uh, my early work life, as, as Callie mentioned, was uh, I founded a performing arts center. Then I started a record company. I was a record producer for a decade as an entrepreneur. Uh, sometime in the early 80s, I came to Los Angeles, and I was director of entertainment for the Olympics in 1984. Uh, that kind of landed me in L.A. amongst people who, who uh, you know, had a larger profile, and I became an A&R director at Capitol Records uh, in 1984. Uh, so you know, I've had, I've been blessed to have a very, uh, I, I don't want to say long because we're going to get so age oriented here, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a decade that spans or a career that spans more than four decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I then launched several other independent record labels where I was both the chief executive and the primary producer of the companies. Uh, but it was, uh, as Callie mentioned, I went to work uh, at the Agape International Spiritual Center in uh, around 2000 let's see, six or seven, I guess it was six. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recruited there by, by the founder, Michael Bernard Beckwith, who's a great uh, uh, wisdom teacher um, and uh, and great voice of conscious living. And, um, and I think there I started to have uh, a combination uh, of, of age awareness. One is that Michael was was one of the first people who really started to teach me how much he loved and respected elders and how much he got from elders. This was something that his mentor was a woman in her 90s, uh, and he just adored her, and he always went to her. You know, even when you're a visionary person like him, you have to have somebody who's your confidant, and and uh, she, was, she was that. And uh, so I think I became increasingly aware of, uh, of the understanding of, of how an elder could be, 
the keeper of more wisdom and more awareness, you know, at that time. So that's how I uh, eventually got to the Bodhi Tree, is that that work, which was a combination of media work and and spiritual work, really was the setup uh, for me to become involved with the Bodhi Tree. Uh, the Bodhi Tree, of course, is a metaphysical bookstore founded in 1970. Uh, it is, uh, it's an iconic uh, institution Definitely. in Los Angeles and known by many people and um, and so it was just kind of a natural fit for me to then get involved here at the Bodhi Tree. Yeah. You know, that point you make um, about the uh, respecting your elders, and we've got about two minutes before we go to our first break, Stephen, just so um, just so you know, um, so we can continue this when we come back. But the idea that we um, that elders are to be revered is something that I don't feel like this country is founded on the way it is respected in a lot of other cultures. And while it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's hit or miss and certainly it's, it's subjective and it depends on the family or the culture that, that you were born into. Uh, but it feels like societally it makes me sad because it, it's, it's a novelty, I think, for many to remember to appreciate uh, grandparents or to revere people that are older. We're going to get into that more when we talk about the workplace. Mm-hmm. Did you have anybody in your life quickly that um, was somebody that was an elder to you as you were growing up who was a, a mentor or somebody that you respected? All of my grandparents, I absolutely adored. They were all uh, significant people in my lives, uh, and so I think my respect began there. And I and I want you to I want to, to comment on what you just said. I'm a child of the '60s, again revealing my age. But in the '60s, this expression you probably remember it was "Don't trust anyone over 30." Right. right. And this mm-hmm. became really a very prominent cultural mm-hmm. idea. All of a sudden, to invert what had been for millennia. Uh, the idea that your elders were your wisdom keepers and they were the most valuable people in the community. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, it makes me happy just so we're talking about elders because yeah. I love my grandparents and my grandfather especially. It's fantastic to have in my life. Yeah. So we're going to head to break and when we come back, we'll talk more with Stephen Powers. We'll be right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I messed Sam up there. Welcome back to talkradio.nyc, the Robin Kelly Show. I just messed Sam up because I started laughing prematurely before we were ready, before we were done with our um, the, the music coming out of our break, because Rob was making me chuckle. I always make, a little bit. I always make Kelly laugh, so I make up <laughs> songs during the yeah, break, and people on the Facebook live stream, they can't hear it, but... Uh, We'll, we'll tell you what it's about, maybe. Yeah, but we'd like to welcome everybody on our face, our first Facebook live stream. Yes, our con- welcome people, yes. welcome. I'm wave like everybody does when you're on Facebook Live, even though I find it annoying when other people are doing it. And we'd like to um, can welcome our um, uh, welcome back our continued listeners on uh, TalkRadio.nyc. We're here with Stephen Powers, the CEO of the Bodhi Tree. We're talking about age, our relationship to it in our personal lives, and also in our respective industries. Before the break, Stephen. You had um, mentioned that ever like iconic mantra sort of of children of the 60s, which is never trust anybody over 30. I mean, think about that now with you. Like if you look at that now from your perspective and how does that feel to you? Does it feel like, you know, what's what's your take? Does it feel silly in retrospect? 
Indeed, of course, right. Uh, and and but baby boomers, which I am one, are the Peter Pan generation, mm. and we're always ready to bend the rules to whatever serves us. So now that uh, we're all at this age, we say, "Oh, that was you know silly." <laughs> now we want you to understand elders and respect mm. elders and know that we still we're still the generation, right? But it's uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I have learned and I've and I've experienced and I've met so many amazing elders and seen so many great examples of of all that they can bring that I think I have learned that that was you know that was a that was a rallying cry you know that was a rebel cry that's what that was about but it wasn't really true <laughs> I love the honesty though that it's all about you know kind of making making the rules meld toward whatever you know whatever place in the life continuum a baby boomer is at so we appreciate the honesty there yeah I think it'd be so interesting <laughs> to put a 30 year old from back then mm. next to a 30 year old today because mm. they'd probably be like worlds away from each other like I was just hanging out with a 30 year old the other day and she's a really old soul but she has such an effervescence about her and such a, a, a light spirit about her and to put her next to a 30 year old back then I think it would just be like so different I don't know Anyway, I think 30-year-olds today are incredibly impressive, right? They have so much skills. They're born with so much innate understanding. Yeah. And even when you go younger, you find it even more that um, I don't know that we would measure up well, frankly. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I remember approaching 30 and I felt this pressure to get married, even though I was a guy. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 30. I got to get married, you know, and I just felt this pressure dating. And obviously that didn't happen. But it's like the I clock, think the it, sand, the, right, and the, yeah, the, uh, the hourglasses, uh, the sand granules are coming through the hourglass there for you. Brother. Yeah, it was like ageism even back there on myself. <laughs> it was like, like Rob, give it. yourself a break. You got lots of time, dude. <laughs> I think we all do that. We put that pressure on. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm 30. What have I accomplished? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a false and un, unkind pressure to put on yourself. Yeah. 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 So getting back, Stephen, to the idea of like of age when it comes to our own personal like our work trajectories. Do you feel like um, when is age getting when is getting older an advantage and when's it a disadvantage? Well, I think when the issue that's being addressed or the problem that's being solved or the awareness that, that you're seeking uh, involves having perspective, having experience, having wisdom, having patience, uh, being taken seriously by others, all of those are things that people tend to, to feel if you've got a little gray hair that maybe you're, gonna, you're going to know more about that. So I think when the, when the issue is about understanding and experience, then, of course, age is an advantage. Where it becomes a disadvantage is when you've become locked into some kind of winning formula, when you think you know it all, when you, you know, when you feel like back in the day, blah, blah, Mm. you know, uh, you've got to have a beginner's mind at all times. So even if you are aged and you have that experience, if you can approach every new situation with a beginner's mind and don't think because you have this formula that worked previously, that's when it becomes a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. What Stephen, when was the first time that you personally felt the disadvantage of your age at work? Well, I I saw that question and I, and I think that 
uh, for, honestly, it, it was one of the last business that I was involved in where I was uh, like the fifth employee. It was a, an amazing unicorn uh, internet startup called Thrive Market mm-hmm. uh, that Great has company. become a phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the fifth employee over there, but I was the old guy, mm-hmm. and everybody else was a millennial. Everybody else was like 30, and I was conscious. Maybe they weren't as conscious, but I was conscious of the age difference between myself and them. And uh, I was also learning and growing and getting into a new field, which was e-commerce, and I didn't know as much about it as those other people did. And I felt like, oh, you're born into this, you really know this stuff, I've got to get up to speed. It was a great challenge, but I definitely felt conscious about it. Right. You know, I, um, but what I appreciate, number one, is, well, there's a reason that they brought you in there because they recognize the, uh, the, uh, your smarts and a se- the value of a seasoned professional who had, um, you know, experience and knowledge that they didn't, I imagine, right? That's the reason that they brought you in? I, I'd like to think that's true, but I, it was also because of my Rolodex. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> it comes with age, well, that comes right? With a- right. That's that, right. That does, and that comes with age and, yeah. and wisdom and experience as well. I mean, I, you know, I, I've been struggling with it. I've struggled with this topic for um, for years now. Um, the last uh, television show, full time show that I worked on, was very multi generational, and I really appreciated that. And we would joke about it. I didn't feel any sense of ageism either way. You know, we recognize that we call them sometimes the kids. Um, you know, people that uh, kids that were younger that were uh, millennials uh, were coming in and had a certain energy and a certain fervor about them. Then there were those of us that were more seasoned that respected that. And then they respected us as well. And it was a really beautiful example of sort of bridging the gap. I've since grown to recognize since um, I lost that job, um, I got got let go from um, after a downsizing after that job, um, that I, you know, I blinked and I've watched the whole, at least I'm talking specifically about the television, digital media industry when it comes to content. Like I blinked and it changed and I haven't been able to really find my place in the same way since. Um, because I, you know, I never wanted to dignify the idea of ageism. Um, I feel young and youthful. I do not feel like an old person. I don't feel like a middle-aged person. I, you know, but that said, when I go out and I'm doing a freelance gig and I'm, you know, know I'm going to be with 20 and 30 year olds, sometimes I'll make sure that my hair has been freshly colored. <laughs> I really, it's an honest profession and it's true. And I've done it just as one way to sort of mitigate my self-consciousness or the divide or whatever. Um, but since then, I have I've really felt a sense of intense ageism I know some huge behemoth media companies that are not hiring anybody they don't say it out loud but they don't have anybody that's over 35 working inside of them mm-hmm. and yet they're sort of running mm-hmm. the media universe so I guess this is a long yeah way except in the C-suite maybe they have them you know in finance or in operations mm-hmm. or in some place that's, that's that way but having nothing to do with culture because there's a sense that we're out of touch with that culture we're not a part of it so yes I, I agree with that I, I've seen the same thing and and to your point then I guess the question is do you think that there's any validity to that are we really that um, not current is that a fair assessment of those of us that are older than 40 
<laughs> it depends on the industry. I, I think it's fair in some cases. It does depend on the industry. So let's take you know the industry that I've been in for so long, the music business. So when I was an A&R director at Capitol Records, I was in my early 30s. Now remember, the main buyers of music and the main audience that you're aiming at is teens and 20s because most people stop buying new music and kind of settle into what they know and like once they get past 30, maybe 40. So it's actually rather legitimate to say we kind of need a smart and experienced but young person who's a part of this culture who's going to make the choices about who we're signing and what's hip and how we're going to produce it. Probably a fair assessment. Um, on the other hand, you have uh, segments within music, whether it's jazz or whether it's classical or whether it's um, even country music, where that knowledge and experience uh, and, and a little bit of age goes a long way towards making the right choice. So it very much depends upon the type of work that's being done. In general, however, I, I think that ageism does exist in companies. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have to acknowledge I was guilty of it when I was younger, and, and it served me to think because I'm, I'm a young man, um, I can, I'm, I'm more relevant or I have more valid ideas. Um, but um, I don't think it, you know, it can't be applied universally, and that's what happens. Yeah, I remember the, when I experienced ageism for the first time. I was in my 20s, and I was working with a bunch of 60-year-olds, and they thought they knew everything. They thought oh, they were so... Re- not, I'm actually just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, because that's a version of sort of what I would yeah, consider very reverse, reverse ageism. ageism. No, I, I've always loved hanging out with older people <laughs> and just learning from them, and there's always wisdom there with experience. So, yeah, no, I, was, I was just kidding. I think there's also a valid point about, and and I've seen this in in all of my work environments, where um, younger people seem to be born with, you know, hardwired to the technology. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they know technology better. They understand market relevance. They know certainly social media. I mean, social media is a job, I would say, don't hire anyone under over 30 uh, in social media because they really understand the gestalt of social media. And then there's also the the energy uh, of a young person. You know, I'm available 24-7. How many times have we heard millennials Mm -hmm. say that? Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm not available 24-7. I have a family. I have a wife. I have a life. Uh, I don't want to do that anymore, right? So I think businesses say, gosh, uh, are we going to get this person 24-7 or are we going to get them on a schedule? Yeah. Yeah. I I would just like to see more of a um, more of a balance you know, I just feel like there, there's something to, there's benefit to both sides. And I feel like, um, there's, I, I, I in some ways, and again, I, I hate to even like say this out loud cause I don't want to put it out into the universe, but just in the name of making the point, you know, me and, and so many people that I know that are experienced, that have had high achievements that are all in their early fifties, um, are just, are trying to start over now because so many of them have gotten edged out of, of their respective jobs. And it's almost, I want to say a pandemic, but I'm, seeing it as you know I'm not I know I'm not an exception mm. um, and you know that makes me sad first of all f- 50 something is not old second of all there's so much to offer and it's just um, it's a hard thing to reconcile when I feel like all sides could benefit from just having more of a melting pot instead of you know enabling this sort of um, you know this kind of the, this 
this sort of pattern, you know. Um, with that, we have one. Oh, we have two minutes. Okay, before we go to commercial, D- um, d- did you want to say something? Yeah, no. I was just going to say that I think that sometimes, <laughs> though, when people get laid off at an older age, even though it's scary, sometimes it's a blessing, and it could be when that door closes, Absolutely. another one opens that would be even better for them. Yeah. And so, yes, it's scary to lose that stability, especially when you've been in a job for a while, had a career in a certain field for a while. But I think it's an opportunity to grow and experience some new things. With that, Stephen, we have about a minute left. I just wanted to sort of talk quickly. If you could talk about people making it uh, making it successfully later in life, like um, Henry Ford, I think, invented the, the first Model T Ford when he was in his 40s. So, And I think you have a story about uh, John Lee Hooker when uh, when he made it later in life? Yeah, I signed John Lee Hooker to my record label. He was 73 years of age. He had had a 50-year career, but was not a household name, had never sold a million records. And at age 73, he made the most successful album of his career. That's the one that won the Grammy. It's called The Healer. Uh, and he went out and sold 3 million copies and, and actually inspired a whole generation of, of people to discover the Delta Blues at 73 years of age. Fantastic. That, that is story. so great. I love stories like that. So we're going to go to the next break. Before we go to break, I just want to tell everybody we have a new affiliate at the station and with our show, which is very exciting. It's PeaceLoveWorld.com. PeaceLoveWorld.com. The clothes that give you life. They have all this cool stuff on the website when you check it out. They have the I Am Love Jewelry Collection, the Lifeline Collection, and the Permission to Chill for Summer Collection. So check them out at peaceloveworld.com. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show here on talkradio.nyc. Welcome to our Facebook Live viewers for the first time here on our second anniversary of the show. We are here with Stephen Power, CEO of the Bodhi Tree and spiritual soul brother. I know that about you, Stephen, because we've had some amazingly beautiful conversations over the years that we've known each other. Um, before the break, we were talking uh, We're talking about age and our relationship to age, both in our perfer- personal and our professional lives. And before the break, we were talking about um, people, late bloomers, in essence, people that have... Uh, you told a great story about... Because um, you work with John Lee Hooker, and that's the album for which you won the Grammy, right? When he... Yes, and, and for clarity, he won the Grammy, but I was uh, honored to be the uh, executive producer and signed it and, and released it and all of that. But it was a it was the artist Grammy for uh, for the best blues album. Um, but yeah, that was a tremendous moment for me and something that uh, was a great gift in my awareness of you know like the old Yogi Berra saying it ain't over till it's over. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who you know had had a great deal of success, but never to the extent. And maybe some of us can identify with this. That we that that you want it, that you hope for it, if you're ambitious, that you dream of, and then you start getting to your later years, and you think, is that it? I didn't do it. I didn't achieve it. Yeah. And in his case, you know, he actually rang the bell worldwide. You know, long after he probably thought, I have any chance of doing that. Yeah, it's such a nice, it's such a nice reminder again, especially when I feel like often our culture in general doesn't really support the idea of. 
you know, disparages the idea of aging. It's not a sexy thing here in in, in our country often. And well, um, I think that's one. Of, I think you just actually hit on the unspoken aspect of it. You know, maybe you're less sexy, and we're such a sexy-oriented society that that natural biological function, which doesn't really match up with age so well, uh, is something we put so much value on. But there's so much else to the human spirit. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, to me, wisdom is sexy, and presence of mind is sexy, and being self-possessed is sexy. That's just me. <laughs> Maybe I'm in the minority, but, you know, I, I, I think that there's, I wish, and, and I think that there's something to be said for, I don't know, I, I often fantasize having, like, some campaign to bring all of this stuff back into the main, you know, and so that these are not... Well, there are some campaigns like that. If I'd like to mention one for your viewers, and there's even some organizations. Uh, one that I worked with at Agape, uh, founded by George uh, Capanelli and Sedina Capanelli, it's called Age Nation, and I definitely urge uh, all of your listeners to go to agenation.com and see what George and Sedina are talking about. They wrote a book called Do Not Go Quietly about conscious living and how this age, this part of your life can be the most important you you have the most to contribute and the most opportunity to contribute so if you're if you're thinking really I, I don't know I kind of feel like it's over for me maybe go there and be inspired by by what they're sharing uh, <laughs> yeah. on age nation it's pretty good Yes, if anyone is thinking it's over for me, it's not over for you. You're still alive. And I just wanted to say that I think it's what you said, Stephen, before about the spirit. I think when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was so much more depressed and had work to do on myself that I felt like I was 70 years old back then. Mm. Now I'm in my my late 40s, and I feel like I'm in my 20s. Yeah, you know? so much lighter. I, I think it really just depends on like the spirit, and we're tending to the spirit and the self-care and doing maintenance and getting lighter and healing and moving on and enjoying life i think one of the sexiest things in life is to see someone enjoying it yeah and that tends to happen yeah completely yeah you're reminding me of that bob dylan quote i was so much older then i'm younger than Mm -hmm. that now and that has everything to do with that wisdom uh and awareness that you have uh when you thought you knew it all and then you discovered you know there were some things you needed to learn um, so that's actually a wonderful moment as you as you age, and I agree with you that that staying healthy, staying confident, staying informed, it really you know beating ageism and and not aging. It starts in your own mind. It's it's your own confidence that I have something to give, that I am worthwhile. It is not over. It's far from over. And just stay with that confidence. Yeah. So, and that's a really important point. Thank you because I need to listen to that too and hear that because for all the you know just per, as I personalize this conversation for all the confidence and uh, wherewithal and convic- conviction I have about myself when I am uh, job hunting and. You know, I have some 25-year-old who's interviewing me and asking me very leading questions that have to do with how current I am and X, Y, and Z. And there's a, and, and again, this is a very common story. You know, part of me is like, are you kidding me? I want to shake them and just have them realize that we can benefit from each other here. Right. The fact that we have to work so hard to prove ourselves when we've already been proven to yeah. ourselves and to our careers is just something that's a little confusing to me. So I just want to share a little story I was telling. Um, I think I told Rob earlier today. 
Um, yesterday, I have a very dear friend. Well, I mentioned it earlier in the show, actually. But um, so the same friend who introduced me to this Nobel laureate yesterday, it was in the context of doing a pilot for and uh, for a digital uh, re- uh, video show. And so I was brought in to, just to help and contribute what I could. And I was in the Google slash YouTube offices here in New York City, which in and of itself was super cool. Because I haven't, you know, I haven't really spent much time with um, in in those environments, and so you know, and we all know those are um, very youthful millennial, uh, co- you know, companies. And we were at, you know, at a studio, and we were working with a few of the employees that were going to be um, sh- sort of lobbying to get this pilot made. One was going to be doing the interview, and one was um, also just helping to produce and do miscellaneous. And the crew, you know, I mean, just it was a few different um, younger people that were working there that were employees. So um, it was such a glaring reminder to me as I was there, and and it was such an honor also because we were working together and sharing our experience. They were sharing their youth and enthusiasm and their technical prowess and their access to the company. And then some of us that were older were sharing our experience and our wisdom and certain techniques or practices that we've honed over the years. And it was a really beautiful mutual thing. But it also made me realize, wow, there really is a difference and uh, between having, you know, come, coming to a, the table with experience and being seasoned and being new. And I just wish there was a way for those worlds to come together more often. And I don't know, like, do you see that in your experience now, just being out in the world the way you are working with the Bodhi tree, that um, it's something that requires effort that companies and clients and whomever you deal with uh, need some reminding that both older and younger should be working together? Or is it, does it happen organically around you? No, I think it takes a unique effort, and it, it's the same kind of unique effort that, that having a racially diverse, um, culturally diverse company takes. Um, it was actually, again, Michael Beckwith, one of my great teachers, who, when I was at Agape, uh, you know, sat me down and said, so, Stephen, you're, you know, you're hiring, and, and the media team is becoming a lot whiter than it used to be, all right? And he said, and I, and I, I just want to kind of stop you for a moment and say, I get it that you're going to react and respond to somebody with your level of education, maybe, or your cultural experience, and you're going to have to look to that second candidate or that third candidate and say, I'm looking for somebody with cultural diversity who can bring the same skills and not just default to what you know and are comfortable with. And I think the same thing goes with age, is that you've got to stop for a moment and say, now, wait a minute, you know, instead of just responding to some hotshot, you know, technological idea or youth and beauty, which we're all influenced by, can I look a little bit deeper and see if there's more worth here and just come from that knowledge of having this age diversity is also going to benefit my company. But you do have to make an extra effort. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, did you see the movie The Intern? Yes. Yeah, did you like it? Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, I thought it was a great movie, and I really think... And encapsulates this whole conversation because it showed how two generations or several generations can work together. And when he started working there, he felt so out of place and the technology was overwhelming to him. And then by the end of the movie, he'd really integrated into the company and, and she had sort of welcomed him and, start, and worked with him as a team. So have you seen that um, at the Bodhi Tree or in your own experience? 
Well, I have, and of course the Bodhi tree is, um, well, so, so at the Bodhi tree, for example, I'm the old guy, and I've got uh, some, <laughs> you know, I've got a few silver-haired people uh, who, who are in my uh, senior management team, and I've got a lot of younger people, right? right. And, and also let's acknowledge that there's an economic advantage to sometimes to hiring younger people, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, but we have a blend here, and, I, and I, that, that's working for us, I think. And I've seen it also at Agape, and I've seen it at other companies that I, that I ran where we're really having experience was invaluable, was incredibly valuable to us to, to have somebody with experience uh, so we didn't have to make the same mistakes again. You know, that's kind of the key point. So I've, I've definitely seen that. Um, and, 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 but, it, but the Bodhi Tree is a place that celebrates diversity at its core, that celebrates you know, spiritual diversity, cultural diversity, ethnic diversity, and diversity of ideas. So we already have a kind of built into the um into the DNA of the brand, uh, elder wisdom is a part of it. We had a we had a wonderful talk at the Bodhi Tree from uh, Doctors Ron and Mary Holnick, who are the uh, founders of the University of Santa Monica, uh, which teaches spiritual psychology. And you know they're well in their seventies, but they were just spectacular. And everybody in the room, there was a huge range of age in the room who were their students and who were their admirers, learning from them. Um, so we see an example of that, but I think it's part of what the Bodhi tree naturally is. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because I don't want to get stuck. I'm going to be the wah-wah of the show today because I'm still sort of in this space, you know, in my in my own life and, and my experiences. I'm going to tell you guys another story in a moment. But you're right. That is, that's such an, a, a great and important reminder that companies and, and we as humans, whether it's personal or professional, need to walk our talk. Right. So here you are representing exactly uh, what you, you know, from the from behind the scenes and then in front of the scenes, you're representing exactly what you, um, you know, what you're espousing. You know, I I just today got a very nice rejection email from a company. I had a a job interview on the phone, a long, very um, successful. So I thought job interview um, a few days ago for a a branding advertising media company. And it went really, really well. And it was with the CEO and the CFO and the founder said to me that he is one of his biggest intentions is to um, that the company is founded on people that are seasoned mm-hmm. and that he'll work with uh, he'll work the company around what people bring to the table based on their experience the rejection note I got today was thank you we're going to hire somebody who's more of a junior level so that we can mold them for the job oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like all right well right. then you're not walking your talk you know and God bless I understand but right. total you know again a little bit of a contradiction from everything that I had heard you know a few days ago on the phone so. we laughed but ouch I'm sure that hurt, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and I think we, you know, we do have that sensitivity, and I think everybody who gets into an age above 45, 50 starts to, to have an awareness and, and a sensitivity about it, uh, and you wonder, you know, if that's, if that's what's happening, because our society has been like that. Yeah, I didn't know I had a sensitivity right. to it until every, till the, till the world started telling me that I did, so <laughs> anyway, luckily I wasn't too attached <laughs> to that job, and it would have required a relocation to a place that I'm not super interested in, so, you know, I got speed to everyone involved you're not that moldable <laughs> i'm not that mad I, wrote the back. I said by the way i said by the way um for future reference just know that i'm really malleable i'm see i'm seasoned but i'm not salty that's exactly what i said and then on the other side if you have too many opinions they say oh well they're too set in their ways too, too yeah. fixed opinions you know yeah, we well. need somebody you know so i don't know all right well hard to, hard I, to fit somebody's expectations <laughs> can i share something i don't know how much time we have uh, i wanted to share an idea so we're talking about mind and you know our
our awareness of, of, of age in our minds and how that impacts us. But there's also a body aspect of it. You know, the Bodhi tree is famous for mind, body, spirit. And, and I uh, had a teacher, Sue Morton, Dr. Sue Morton, who's a wonderful wisdom teacher, who shared something with me one day. I was telling a story about I have a young daughter, a couple of them, and I was just talking about how funny she was when she ran. And, uh, and Sue seized on that, and she said, okay, great. Look at that. Notice them. Notice the way that they move. And when you're playing with your children, move the same way. Have those funny, jerky, you know, halting, whatever it is, exaggerated ways that that your child moves, because that's going to actually open up your body in a way that will make you younger. And she said, just uh, walk funny. Walk just like your four-year-old. And I was like, that's a very cool idea. And I started trying it, and it really does move that energy from your body into your whole spirit that, ah, I feel younger. Uh, and it was it was just a clever little idea for yeah, those of us that's a, getting a, a little more stiff. That's that's a real that's an interesting idea. I appreciate you sharing that with us. All right, we're going to jump to our last break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how we can um, learn to embrace our age and sort of integrate all of these different pieces. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Rob and Callie Show. Tonight we're marking our two-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> we just like an excuse to sing. That's right. So um, we're on Facebook live stream tonight. Thank you everybody who's watching. All the likes and everything, comments, really appreciate it. And tonight we have Stephen Powers on the show, who's the founder of the Bodhi Tree. So Stephen, before the break, you were talking about that story about walking like a four-year-old, just to, to mm-hmm. remember about being a kid and it reminded me of the Friends episode where Phoebe and Rachel are running in Central Park and Rachel's embarrassed because Phoebe runs like a kid who's like spastic all over the place but Phoebe yep. enjoys running like that oh, right. and so Rachel doesn't want to run with her anymore because she's embarrassed and then by the end of the show she's running like a little kid as well and just having so much fun that way you know Oh, that's great. That's exactly the idea that it, you know, it's play. In other words, one of the things we can do to stay young is to play. And play involves whether it's physical play or whatever else, just get out and play. Yeah, one of the things we talk about on this show is just remembering what it was like in kindergarten, that everything we we need to know we learned in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. but also to remember what it was like to be a kid where you didn't have so many responsibilities and you didn't worry about things so much. You were really connected to your heart and your soul and you were living from that place. Yeah. By the way, you said something, Callie, I'm sorry, Rob, uh, about... Uh, founder of the Bodhi Tree. I'm not the founder. The founder is Stan Madsen and Phil Thompson. So while we're talking about age, they are two gentlemen who are in there now, late 70s, who are on our advisory board. And we could not be doing or even approximating what we're doing with the Bodhi Tree, which was founded in 1970 and operated for 48 years before, or 45 years before I ever got involved, without Stan and Phil's understanding. They bring a depth of understanding and a depth of wisdom to our experience experience that is that is tremendously valuable uh, to us so a tip of the hat to to those old guys <laughs> amen i'm sure that amen. they're really happy that you're referring to them that way i'm sure they're very accepting <laughs> of it 
<laughs> because I know they are pretty accepting <laughs> of it. I be. think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they are. So, with our remaining um, portion of the show, Stephen, I think we'd like to talk about um, just your your suggestions for how to embrace age. You know, I mean, I uh, and and in all of these different venues that we're talking about, I mean, me individually, I really don't get too caught up in age. Certainly as a woman, you know, and, um, in my early 50s, you joke, you get self-deprecating, you notice how your body changes and all the obvious things that happen and to find gravity. You know, I mean, we all joke about that, but I don't feel like I get that caught up in it. I feel like the idea of staying youthful is like you guys have said, really about, you know, what's going on internally and how you live your life and how much love and joy and, you know, good jerky, herky jerky body movements you have around you when you're, you know, opening up your body um, based on your, you know, your last sweet little um, metaphor. But um, what else can we do? I think for me, it's when the outside, when I feel like the outside world is not allowing me to be that way. Now, you know, I also know I could get a little deeper about it and say that my whole outside world reflects what's going on internally, but you also can't control everything. And so when it comes to, you know, dating, I've experienced it. Um, You know, where people, men my age are cutting off, you know, five or ten years younger. Mm -hmm. In the workplace, I experience it where it feels like um, they're more interested in hiring considerably younger people. Mm. How do we integrate all this and make peace with it? You're asking me? I think you have to start with uh, what you just said, which is the the outside world is not allowing me. And you have to uh, say to yourself, well, I want to say you have to, but I invite you to say to yourself, the outside world does not dictate anything that I can do. You've got to use that. I know you're a great entrepreneur. Here you are with your own radio show. Don't let anybody else dictate the terms of what's happening in your life. And I do think that older people, it's a great opportunity to be more entrepreneurial. Perhaps the corporate world or some media world, you know, they're going to decide that they don't want you. But that doesn't mean that you can't do something yourself. And a perfect example of that, we've talked about some other examples of people who accomplish things late in life, is Louise Hay, the founder of Hay House. So, you know, Louise was booted out of wherever she was at age 60 and became an entrepreneur and founded what is now the most prominent and largest uh, spiritual self-help book uh, publishing company in the world, Hay House. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was 60 years of age when she started it. And it was actually, as you said earlier, Rob, kind of getting kicked out of her current circumstances that motivated her to say, then I'm going to take it into my own hands. So become an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, the universe has our back. It's not like we're going to be lost and we're just at a dead end in life. It just means that we're going to take a detour and get on a new path. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about life in general is when we feel like it's over or, you know, uh, uh, nothing else is going to happen. And all of a sudden you get a little tiny miracle where that door opens up or maybe a couple or several doors. And then you have all these new choices and different colors that you hadn't experienced before because you went through that change in life. Sure. And you just said the important word here, which is change. So there's a whole other issue that relates to how we how we embrace age or how we're affected by age or how we are not affected by age, which has to do with change. And I think this is a leading edge of growth for many of us. I know it is for me. I don't love change, right? I like things kind of the way they were that I was comfortable with. So when I'm forced into change, sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable with that. There are many 
many great books. One's called The First 30 Days, uh, but there are many great books about embracing change and, and understanding how to change, and that skill set of, of understanding how to change uh, into something else completely um, is so, so valuable because we are always given uh, circumstances in life where we have to change. And so I think, I think it really kind of goes to the core of how do you deal with it? You have a willingness and an ability to change. Yeah. Like in your case, Callie, you're an Emmy-winning television producer. You're saying, I should be able to, to be a television producer. I'm good at it. I'm proven. Maybe this is a time of life where you're something else. Your check is in the mail for the agenting uh, aspect of the interview. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I recognize that. I'm not. I'm actually haven't been very caught up in what I've done um, in the past um, over the last few years. I really haven't. It's. Uh, um, but this isn't about me. It's really more of a universal, you know, universal topic. I think. Um, but I appreciate that, and I do think. And I, the part that I can um, say is relevant to me is that I have had to sit with. Um, surrendering to the circumstances and, sh- and seeing how things are showing up or not showing up and being more malleable and trying to think about more um, different variations and out, uh, outgrowths of what I do or what I like to do. And it's an interesting ride. It definitely is. So I hear you and appreciate everything you're saying. Um, with our remaining minutes, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the Bodhi Tree and how people can find out about you and it? Well, I'm not so important in the scheme of things. I'm honored to be a part of the uh, of this uh, great legacy. But but go to bodhitree.com and let me spell that. That's yes. B-O-D-H-I. A bodhi, of course, is a tree that uh, that the Buddha sat under to achieve enlightenment and awakening and awareness. So bodhitree.com is our portal. That's our website. We have lots of wonderful things to discover there. We have, of course, the Legacy Bookstore. We have our Metaphysical Mercantile, where you can get products for your sacred home and ceremony. We have a journal with hundreds of articles. I think one of them is about age, by the way. Um, and we have our community site. So if you're in the conscious living movement or the conscious lifestyle movement, come and post your event on our community site or just share what other people are doing on our community site. We have our, uh, we're launching our education, our online education uh, pillar, which is, uh, I mentioned USM has a course called The Power of Clear Intentions, Ron and Mary Holnick. Again, very helpful when you're when you're setting goals at this age uh, or this stage of life to have clear intentions. So we're having online education there Excellent. and lots of other fun things. So discover that and uh, we have events at our space in Hollywood. We have a, uh, a uh, event space at the corner of Melrose and La Brea. And again, but go to the website to learn what's coming up. We're going to have uh, Richard Gettleman, the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author. Uh, his new book is called Love Africa on May 26th. So it's just a constant batch of of fun stuff going on at the Bodhi Tree, all about your inner journey, your growth, and your personal development. Excellent. And and it's, I have to say, a beautiful website. Just aesthetically, it's like website porn in a nice way, not in a (laughs) non-sexual way. Very sensual. Well, let me give credit to our new owner who bought it from Stan and Phil. That's Jasmine Fayed. She's a designer. She's got the eye, and she's the woman who's really made it so beautiful. And uh, so... 
tip of the hat to Jasmine. Uh, I'd also like to say that um, it, the uh, other podcast that I'm um, blessed enough to host on um, Conscious Good, uh, I did with you, Stephen, a few weeks ago. So if people are interested in hearing more from Stephen Powers, um, we talked about the idea of um, commerce and spirituality and integrating those things and had a very interesting half-hour conversation. You can find that on the In Conscious Company podcast on ConsciousGood.com. And what else do we want to promote? This is sort of our pimp out. You know, if you're, a, if you're somewhere in the business as a practitioner or a teacher or an author or a creator or a producer, I do invite you to, to connect. I don't have my own website, but I have many uh, connections on LinkedIn, and that's kind of my professional network. So just look me up, Stephen Powers, spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-P-O-W-E-R-S on LinkedIn, and I'd love to connect with you there and, and see what we can what we can do together, what we can co-create together. Great. Thanks so much, Stephen. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, it was great it's to have you on joy. the show. my joy. Thank you, guys. It's Good work. Joy. Thank you. So, And I was just thinking of the Frank Sinatra song, Young at Heart. You know, if you are among the very young at heart. So there you go. Check out that song. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Rob and Callie Show. Take care, y'all.